Were you there? Were you there? Alongside the son and the father? Were you there as the foundations of the earth were laid? When the morning stars sang together as the creator shut in the sea with doors? When he proclaimed his authority and sovereignty over all of the universe? Over all of its elements, the land, ocean and the heavens I can't see you I can't see you to what world do you belong you are not flesh nor blood nor blood do you belong to the cosmic powers that live in the heavenly places it is said that they shall fear your name from the west and your glory will rise out of the sun you will come like a rushing stream, driven by the wind. Why wind? Wind that pours out over me, and breathes life to the dust and into dried bones? That comes thundering from heaven. That filled that entire house with tongues of flame. Flames that baptize me in holy fire. Why fire? Is this the same fire that created the heavens? Is it possible? Can that same power live inside of me? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we are in a series called Cormdale, and we are talking about what it means to live lives before the face of God. And so three weeks in now, the first week, we talked about what does it mean to live a life before the face of the God the Father, and then last week, before God the Son. And so this week, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So depending on where you're at here today, this is either a really exciting thing, or you have no idea where we're going this morning, anywhere in between. What I want to do is I just want to pray to begin, and I want to pray a prayer of expectation. Uh, for us, acknowledging ahead of time that God is here, that the Spirit is active and with us. So will you bow your heads with me and let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we wait expectantly. Lord, we acknowledge the Spirit's presence in the room, and not only do we acknowledge that presence, but we invite more of it, closer, deeper, more intimate, more here, Lord, with us than we can imagine. And so we invite that this morning. We ex expectantly wait for it this morning. We love that you are a God that is near in all of your expressions. We're thankful for that and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I heard a Beautiful quote many years ago, and every time that I read it and that I read it before other people, it is uh, a wonderful opportunity to kind of look at my faith and my life and my relationship with God uh, kind of like a mirror. I want to read it before you. A.W. Tozer said this, What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let me say it again. 
what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So let me ask you this. What comes to your mind when you think about the Holy Spirit? What comes to your mind when you think about the Holy Spirit? Many of us do not have a clear idea of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, yet Scripture is full of stories that show the Spirit as a vibrant, personal being, as God Himself. Of the three persons of the Trinity, the Spirit's person and work are the most difficult to grasp. Why is this? The Holy Spirit, I believe, is, uh, is usually described with impersonal images. How does Scripture talk about the Spirit? As wind, as breath, as fire, and as a dove. When we gather for church and we hear the stories and we share the stories of man's interaction with God the Father, and there's tangible stories, there's relationship, and there's conversation that happens. And so it's not that far-fetched for us to think about our own relationship with God the Father. And then we read the stories of Jesus and and all of the, um, the testimony of the way that people interact with, with Jesus. And we can see his words and his specific teachings to his people and his followers. It's not that hard for us to interact with Jesus. But then when we think about the Holy Spirit, there's a bit more mystery here. There's more wonder here. How, how do we engage with the Holy Spirit? That's what we are hoping to do today. We are hoping to engage with the Holy Spirit. We're doing so expecting expecting engagement back. I, I wonder, did you come here expecting today? Did you come here expecting for God to move, for God to work in our lives, this Holy Spirit that is here, that is among us? When I was in Bible college, they taught us this idea of um, the doctrine of imminence, this idea that God is with us. He's imminent. He's present in creation, present in his creation. He is here. I want to start by just acknowledging that today. Do Do we start, do we Do we begin our journey this morning going from a place trusting that the Holy Spirit is here? Not like there, but here, moving inside of you, inside of me, and he is guiding, and he he is convicting. One of the most important things that the Holy Spirit does is convicts us, brings us closer to the character and nature of Christ. We want to listen to that this morning. We want to begin place. Now we start, so depending on whether the Holy Spirit is a mystery to you, or maybe you grew up in a church where when I say Holy Spirit, you have a very clear idea of how the Spirit moves, right? We want to begin with the scriptures today. The Bible tells us that the Spirit is a full and vibrant person because the Spirit is the eternal God and as holy God as the other two members of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit has intelligence, has feelings, has a will. He prays, he does miracles, he can be lied to, he can be insulted, he teaches, and he directs. The Holy Spirit is here and he is active and he comes in power. Jesus... We talked about this last week. Jesus would often pull his disciples together and teach them something new, and they struggled to understand fully, like many of us do when we see some new truth. When we have to adopt a new way of looking at the world, and we have to be able to admit that maybe our old way of looking at the world isn't, isn't quite complete. And so Jesus gathered his disciples together, and he said, I'm going to leave this earth, but I am going to send someone else. And in fact, it's going to be to your advantage that I leave and that he comes, 
this helper, this advocate. It's better than having me here. If I gave you the decision this morning to have your current circumstances right now in your relationship with God, right now, as they are, we're not changing anything, your ability to connect with him, or if I gave you Jesus sitting in the seat next to you, which one would you choose? Now, I think when we read this scripture, there's a disconnect that happens in us because most of us, I'm like, I kind of seem like I would like Jesus, like right here, right now. That'd be pretty awesome. But Jesus himself taught, it is better that I leave. The Holy Spirit will come. He, t- he taught his disciples. He said, wait here as I go and I return to my Father, but the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Don't try to do this on your own. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses until the end of the earth. He said, I'm going to change the world through you, but not just through you, right? Because I know you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to bring a power upon you to change the world. And we sit here today as the church because this Holy Spirit came upon believers some 2,000 years ago and turned, as the Bible says, turned the world upside down. We read the stories of the early church and the Holy Spirit moving. And I wonder if you're anything like me, that that power that is present there seems far from me here. I, I don't I don't see it working in the same way here. So I'm, I'm left in this tension. How do I engage with this Holy Spirit that empowers me to change the world? When we talk about this Holy Spirit that is here, that is active. Um, I think most of us think of instances like the book of Acts and um, the amazing and awe-inspiring experiences of the Holy Spirit. So tongues descending like fire, right? Um, rushing wind, these big, what I call firework experiences, these wow, awe-inspiring experiences. But what I want to do today is I want to give the Holy Spirit credit for those experiences, but I want to zoom us in a little bit to where we can acknowledge all the ways that the Holy Spirit is moving in the subtle, in the small, everything from the biggest to the smallest. There's a beautiful quote from a man named Paul Hawken who did a commencement speech at the University of Portland. He said this, Ralph Waldo Emerson once asked what we would do if the stars only came out once every thousand years. No one would sleep at night, of course. We would be ecstatic. We would be delirious, made rapturous by the glory of God. But instead, the stars come out every night and we watch television. Anyone else go crazy for the eclipse, right? It was really important because it happens rarely and we want to see it. I think there's something to be said about that in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, that he is active and he is moving because he is active and moving all of the time. It's just become normal. And we're not awe-inspired by it. I want to give us back to that place. I want us to recognize every single little place and give thanks for all of those. I would like to go first in that because I've been super convicted this week that I don't do so. Very convicted that there's small areas of my life, there's big areas, and there's a lot of little nudges areas that the Holy Spirit is moving and guiding me, that I'm, I'm too busy, um, things are too loud, uh, I'm not listening, or I'm stubborn, anything in between, right? You paint yourself into the picture however you need to, that's just me. I want to listen. I want to follow where the Spirit leads. But to do so, I have to, I have to be willing to quiet myself and listen. Our goal today 
is not that you would just learn more about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you come in here today and you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, so you're taking notes and you're like, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. That's wonderful. That's a very awesome beginning. Maybe you've been in church a long time, and so the things I'll share about the Holy Spirit are a wonderful refresher. But the goal is for you not to know more about the Holy Spirit. The goal is for you to know the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference in experience, right? There's a difference when you actually experience something. When I was 10 years old-ish, I talked to my mom, and we think it was right about 10 years old. See, I, I grew up, I've shared this many times, I was a sports kid. So uh, I lived in the same neighborhood basically my whole life, and so I knew all the neighbor kids, and so if their sun out, didn't matter. We had a ball, and we were playing football, baseball, basketball, soccer. It didn't matter. That was my jam. That was my thing. I didn't really care which one, to be honest, up until 10. I didn't care. I didn't have a favorite. I just wanted to play. But then 10 years old rolls around. And my parents take us up to Seattle to the kingdom, all right? Anyone ever been to the kingdom before? When you are a 10-year-old wide-eyed kid and you drive up and you see, and it's one of the buildings that you can see from far away, and you park, and it's the biggest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm so, I've never experienced anything like that. And you come inside of that stadium and you see the green grass. Even though it was fake, it didn't matter to me. It was the, green, it was the greenest grass I'd ever seen in my entire life right? And I got to go watch a baseball game. I loved watching it because Ken Griffey Jr. is about the closest thing to a DD that I had in my life at the time. And so I got to watch the game, uh, the Mariners win, which back then was probably a pretty rare thing uh, to happen. <laughs> but not only did I get to experience this game, as I looked around and I heard the roaring crowd but they had this amazing thing where the kids got to go onto the field after the game and run around. And we got to go out uh, onto, into the outfield, and I jumped up, and my parents took pictures acting like I was robbing a home run. And in my mind, I was. Right? It was real to me. It was, it was amazing. We, I was on the field where Ken Griffey Jr. played, and I got to run around the bases, too. Right? So cool. I mean, this is just... 10 years old, like, to me, this is heaven. Like, when I go to heaven, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be in the kingdom. That's what it's going to be. And uh, this is a point. So this is, like, 93, okay, a little, a few years ago, okay? Back in a time, there was a time before we could just grab our phones and take a picture. You guys remember? We actually had to have, like, film we put in a camera, okay? Uh, well, the, the little canisters, remember the little canisters that the film came in? My mom had one in her purse, and I grabbed it right? And I get it out, and I run around the bases, and I have this plan the whole time. I promise I'm looking around. I think I'm going to get arrested. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to get some dirt right here. And so I run around the bases, and at the end, I touch home plate, and I bend down, and I have to tie my shoe, all right? And I get down there, and I scoop some dirt into the canister, and I stick it in my pocket, and I steal dirt from the kingdom, because, <laughs> because to me, this is holy ground, right? There was something about that experience that changed me for baseball. See, after that moment, it wasn't I love all sports. It's I love baseball, and then I love all sports. I ended up playing college baseball, and I think sometimes, like, that one experience has shifted my trajectory in life so incredibly that I love the sport. I wanted to be a bigger Mariners fan, and that is a really hard thing to be at times. Uh, I, I just, it shifted me, the ex but the experience. If someone asks you what church is like today, I, I pray that you would listen and they would take notes and that you would know the information about the Holy Spirit. But I want you to share from your experience. I want it to change you. That changed me. I want it to change you. 
I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit is moving and active every single day, every single moment in your life. And that should change us, right? That should change us. I invite you into that as I've been sitting in that this week. So we want to experience the Holy Spirit. We want to have a relationship. Um, when we read the New Testament, there are four commands concerning the relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's more things read and more things shared about it, but there's four main commands about this Holy Spirit that I want to walk through about how, how do we engage? This is all great to know and learn about, but how do I do it in my everyday life, have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? The first command is this. Do not grieve the Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. To grieve means to cause sorrow, pain, or distress. If you've ever been in relationship with anyone in your life, maybe it is addiction, maybe um, just watching someone else make poor decisions in their life that is not only hurting them, but is hurting people around them. I've had this in my own life. When I look at it, my heart just, it hurts. I don't know how else to say it. Maybe there's more beautiful, eloquent ways to say it, but my heart hurts. I know that that's not how they're designed to live and that they have a greater purpose and a value and identity in this world, and I, I want better for them. Sometimes it's easy um, to forget because the Holy Spirit sometimes doesn't seem as personal as Jesus is, that the, tri- the Trinity is unified in their heart and their love for us. And so when the Holy Spirit looks at us and wants the same things that everything, everything that Jesus taught, that I want life for you and life abundant. I want you to live life to the full. I want you to live the big life. I love you. I want wholeness for you. And so when this Holy Spirit looks upon us and looks upon sin in our life and brokenness in our life, it's grieved. And the Bible says we, we shouldn't live that way. The Holy Spirit is described as a helper, one called or sent for to assist another. And grief comes when we avoid or refuse the help of the helper sent to us. There are sometimes I don't want the help if I'm being completely honest, if I'm in my flesh. This, a, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were just looking at our schedules and we were like, we are crazy busy from soccer to parent-teacher conferences to everything that's going on. We got too much. We need to find a night that we can just get together and we can read the scriptures and we can pray together, okay? So we just, we put it on our calendar several weeks ago and this last Thursday night was the night. You ever just have one of those days? Like, I got done with my day and it wasn't uh, a good day and I didn't want to see anyone. You ever have that idea like, I love you, but go away? right? My wife and I both get home, and we're both in the exact same place. Like, I love you. Go away, all right? I don't, I want to love you from over here. That's where I want to love you from. Not here, but over here. And there's this, and so honestly, if I can, is this a real place? Wait, can we be honest here? As a pastor, I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to pray, all right? I wanted to watch the World Series. That's what I wanted to do, all right? i I didn't want to get done with the World Series and then read the Bible and pray. I wanted to just do that. Luckily, this helper has brought me this amazing wife that was like, hey, we said we were going to pray and read the scriptures together, and so let's do that. Now, I would love to tell you that I, we were in this kind of place, and then we read the scriptures, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm frolicking around in the Holy Spirit, right? Frolicking didn't happen. There was no frolicking, right? But what I did say, I will say I got a nudge. I got a little nudge that says, hey, I don't want you focusing on this stuff anymore. 
look what we have here. I've brought you this wonderful partner in life that you get to have a relationship in right now, and you get to share communion with me, with her tonight. And so that other stuff, it really doesn't matter very much, does it? It doesn't matter that much. And all of a sudden, I got this little nudge, this trajectory shift in my world that said, oh, right? This is what the Holy Spirit, this is how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. Still does the amazing fireworks things, right? But oftentimes, it's just these conviction, like, I, I have better for you. Like, if you'll just pay attention, I have, I have something different for you, for that relationship, for that conversation, for that interaction, for what you believe about yourself, those fears, those doubts, those anxieties, those lies, I have something better from you. So will you, will you just listen? Will you rest in what I share with you? This helper is here. I think we have to admit sometimes we don't want the help. But the goal of us as Christ followers is to submit to that help as often as we can. First command is to not grieve the Holy Spirit. The second is to not quench the Holy Spirit. To quench means to extinguish, to dampen, to hinder, and to thwart. Right? We can be guilty of hindering the effective working of the Holy Spirit. This hindering can be done in the lives of ourselves and in the lives of others. I want what the Spirit wants. I want to want what the Spirit wants, right? I want to be on, on the same team as God. I want to be on mission. I want to be the first in line to do so, all right? But sometimes it's kind of hard to know. Right? If I were to ask you, what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? I wonder if you would even have an answer for me, okay? I was studying this week because I wanted to be able to say, okay, I don't want to quench the Spirit. How do I know when I'm quenching the Spirit? There's, there's the really clear sin stuff, but then there's the other stuff where I'm just not aligned. How do I know? How do I engage with the Holy Spirit? There's a beautiful quote by theologian John Stott who says this, the Holy Spirit is a reticent spirit. He works to curve attention away from himself to Jesus and the Father. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a Christ-centered one. His two main concerns are to show Christ to us and form Christ in us. There are whole denominations built on focusing on the singularity of the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is the Holy Spirit himself. Well, J.A. Packer calls his ministry a, flood, a floodlight ministry. Um, floodlights are lights that light up buildings, if you've ever seen. I was blessed to go to Athens, Greece uh, a few years ago, and I got to see a place called the Parthenon. If you've ever been to Athens, Greece, uh, there is there are some amazing architectural buildings built on top of this hill, and I got to go up there during the day and see it, and it is awe-inspiring, especially when you just take into account how long ago it was built. It's just amazing work of architecture. But when I think of experiencing the Parthenon, though, I don't think of when I went up there today. I actually think of nighttime. I think we have a, a, a picture, right? This is the Parthenon at night, okay? I looked from my hotel. This is up on a hill sitting above the city. Some people said, hey, we want people to experience the Parthenon, so we're going to put lights inside of it and, and shining into it. Now, do you think their goal was to see the lights or to see the Parthenon, right? The goal is to see and experience it in all of its awe and wonder. And when I think of experiencing the Parthenon, now I think of this picture because someone illuminated it. The role that the Spirit places in our life is one that illuminates Jesus. It's as if the Spirit stands behind us, throwing light over our shoulders, 
onto Jesus who stands facing us and says, look here, this is where I want you to look. This is where I want your attention to be. John 14, 26 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, these are Jesus' own words, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit's role in your life is to point to Jesus, to continue to point to Jesus, the life of Jesus. When we mess that up, and there's many denominations and, and, and parts of Christianity that do so, that work against the working of the Holy Spirit because they want to make the Holy Spirit the one in the limelight. Here's the beautiful thing. See, the Trinity, in, inside of the community of the Trinity, there's no competition. No one's fighting for the light. No one's fighting for the stage. There is unity that is together, and the Spirit, that when we are under the Spirit, when we are led by the Spirit, we have the same unity. We're going to talk about this at the end here today. The role of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is to point out Jesus. It's not for us to look at the loud, firework-type experience of the Holy Spirit. It's to point back to Jesus. The third command is to be filled with the Spirit. This word filled means to be under the influence or control of. Now, this Spirit wants good things for us, correct? Right? It wants amazing things, the same way that God the Father, same way, thing that God the Son wants wonderful, amazing, blessing things for us. When you look at the book of Mark, there's an amazing picture we talked about a little bit last week. Uh, Jesus comes onto the scene, and he is baptized by John the Baptist, and there's this picture in the water where Jesus is baptized, and there is a loud, booming voice that comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I got a text this week from a good friend that just was encouraging. Doesn't it, doesn't, when people speak worth or value over, doesn't it just do something in you when you just, someone looks you in the eye and said, you're amazing and I love you, I, I love you, right? There's just something if you receive that. We have this picture. We have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus, the Trinity together and this beautiful place, Jesus, I want good things for you. You are my son. I love you. And what happens next in the story? The Bible tells us that the Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Wait a second. That doesn't make sense. He was in this beautiful place. Why would the Spirit, the, the word in the Greek for drove out is the same word we use for ball. It literally means to throw or to fling. That the Holy Spirit took him from the place in the water, hearing those words over him out into the desert with no food to be tempted. Why is that? We know as Christ's followers that Jesus was God in flesh, that he came and that he had to be tempted he had to be tempted in every single way that we are to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We know that. We trust in that. The Spirit, though, sometimes leads us to uncomfortable places. The Spirit's work in the life of His people is often a wild work, a desert work. He calls us to the wilderness to work in us in ways that could not be done well, perhaps not at all, were we not drawn away, brought away, thrown away, finding ourselves on a lonely trail. This Holy Spirit sometimes comes, as He did to me last Thursday, and He gives you a nudge. He gives me a nudge. And sometimes he puts me in a full-on timeout. Sometimes he says, I, I don't have your attention. You are not aligned with the way that you are living. is not aligned with the way that I am teaching you to live. And so sometimes I need to pull you out. And sometimes you need to, I need to get all of your attention. 
right now. For Jesus to undergo what he went through. I think it was better for him to have quiet. To hear the voice of the Father in the midst of all the other voices of the world saying what he was supposed to do. The same goes true for us. That there are times, maybe you've been through a wilderness time before. Maybe you're in one right now. Where it feels like Jesus has sep- or the Holy Spirit has separated you from everyone else and you feel alone. And I would argue that may be the best place for you because the Holy Spirit there can work and empower you and get your attention. I wonder when you think about listening to the Holy Spirit, how, how are you at that? Like, like if you were to grade yourself on a 1 to 10 scale, your ability to hear and be guided, how are you? I, I think that's directly correlated to our ability to to get quiet and to listen. And oftentimes, there's a driving out into the wilderness that causes us, causes us to pay attention. The fourth command is to walk in the Spirit. We're to walk under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we look at the book of Galatians, we see fruits of the Spirit. There's this idea that, like a soil, there's this... um, a beautiful picture. This last year, we have you ever planted a garden before? This last year, we decided we were going to plant a garden. All right, didn't go well. And our just a little garden. My son and I and uh, my sister helped. Uh, we planted this little garden, and I think we got like two tomatoes and a jalapeno out of the whole thing. My dog kept digging it up, and we don't know what we're doing. But there's this cool idea of if I just put soil down and I plant a seed inside of it and I water it, that something life is going to come out of that. That's how it's designed. The same exact picture is uh, presented here. That if you, when you walk in the Spirit, there's certain fruits that come out of that. Joy and peace. But there's also some other things that are missing when we're not walking in the Spirit. And there's a lot of things listed. But the one I want to focus in on today, there's this idea of divisiveness, of envy. You know, what power does the Holy Spirit bring in our lives? When we read the book of Acts, Jesus said for his disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait, right? It's better to leave, and then I'm going to leave, and I want you to wait. And guess what they did? They waited. They waited in the upper room for several days, it says. And then the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind. And it descended on them like tongues of fire. And all of a sudden, this Holy Spirit empowered them to speak in languages that they did not know. And they went out amongst the people, and they could speak to people. Imagine just being able to go speak Spanish when you didn't know how to speak Spanish. And the people that speak Spanish were like, wait a second, you don't know how to speak Spanish. This is crazy. And everyone was awe in awe. Now, if we're not careful, we look at this part of the story, and we just end it. And so what an amazing thing that the Holy Spirit did. But this is just the beginning of the work that the Holy Spirit did in the next chapter of the book of Acts. We see the real amazing part happening. We see a community of believers coming together, and the Bible says that they had all things in common. If there is a better description of the Trinity, I don't know it. This community that has all things in common, that wants the same things, that desires for the same things, that works towards the same things. When we look at the power that the Holy Spirit brings us in our lives, we look at this power of unity. What kind of a witness do we want to be in this world when we think about bringing people to Jesus, allowing them to know Jesus the way that we know Jesus? 
what type of witness is going to change the world? What type of Jesus is awe, or what type of witness is awe-inspiring? I think the idea of unity. In Acts chapter 2, people start selling all their possessions because they no longer care about stacking up possessions or comparing their possessions against the possessions of the people living down the road. They just care about loving one another, and it don't, no longer matters anymore because why? They're of one mind and one spirit. When the Spirit is moving, there is unity. When the Spirit is moving, there is love, love in abundance. In the midst of everything going on in our world, don't we need this unity? We need it so badly in our church and in our lives. See, here's the beautiful thing. There is no competition in the Trinity. No jockeying for position or fame. From before time itself existed, relationship did, and the love of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, joy has existed from eternity past. Admiration existed, pleasure existed, kindness and gentleness and wisdom existed, camaraderie existed, and fun and commitment and good. We look to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and we see this model of how community is supposed to be lived. We're not envious of one another. We're not comparing, but we just love. We show grace to one another. We're not keeping track or record. This, when we look at the book of Acts, we are here today because people were empowered not just to speak in other languages, but empowered to love in sacrificial and supernatural ways. We need this spirit to show us how. Can we admit that this is really hard to do, to have unity? It's one, one thing to have unity in a marriage. Another thing, think of a group just this size. Like how much do we all agree on in here? We need the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us and to empower us to do so. This spirit that we need, this spirit is faithful, but he will not come running when we whistle for him. He is kind, but will not jump for us. He may give a show, but when he speaks, it will be in his good way for his good reasons. And who can tell him either to speak or to keep silent? We can only ask and trust. That's what we can do. Ask and trust expectantly. Yesterday we took a hike, my wife and my son and I, at Lackamas Lake. And if you've ever been there before, you come out of Lackamas Lake, and there's a parking lot, and there's a road, and the lake extends across the road as well. And there's a beautiful building over there. I'm not sure if it's a community center or a church, but it was really clear when we looked across the way from all the people that were outside and dressed really nicely that there was a wedding that was going on. And as I looked and I gazed over, there's a dock there, and standing at the end of the dock was the groom. And at the beginning of the dock was this beautiful bride in her white dress. And I looked back at the guy, and he was like this. Like my son when he can't find the bathroom, right? <laughs> like he had this expectation about him, right? This beautiful moment, all the people, you could just, there was something about that moment that was like, this, this is good, right? What we're seeing now, I'm expecting something good to happen. He couldn't hold it in his body. And this bride came out, and she walked what must have seemed like an eternity for him, 
I remember my own experience. It must seem, just seems like an eternity. Everyone's watching and waiting in this anticipation. She comes up and she puts his, her hands around his eyes and she turns him around and then she turns, uh, she takes her hands away and she backs up. And he has this moment. And you can, we're a couple hundred yards away and it didn't matter. I didn't need words. I didn't need sound. All I needed was what I saw. And it was good. It was good. The same words that God spoke over creation, that the Spirit was present over, hovering over the waters, it is good. What the Spirit brings us to continually is tells us where to focus and says, this is good. Look here. Pay more attention here. I want to drive you to this place over here. I need you to see more of this, and I need you to see less of that. If we will just listen. That expectancy that that groom had I want that so badly to be the expectancy that I have every single day. Of what is God going to do today? Like, where are you, Lord? In the subtle places, in the relationships, and just the, the little things. And then in the hike that we took from the trees and the river and the beauty of life and how it works. Being awe-inspired and overwhelmed by the fact that this spirit that was there at creation. It was not only there at creation, but is now in that creation, empowering us to live into what it means to follow and know Jesus. The Holy Spirit's love is like a ray, a beam, a single force, unopposable and glorious, full of joy and power, yet we, we perceive that same force differently depending on where we are, depending on what is inside of us. If we are dark, we perceive his love as light. If we are hungry, we perceive it as food and as nourishment. If we are broken, we perceive it as the setting of bones. If we are guilty, as forgiveness. If dead, we are brought to life. The very life of love, the very life of the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. The Spirit is here. And so we're going to go into a time of worship this morning. And my prayer for us is that we would, we would expect Him to move. Now, maybe not in this song, but maybe so. But maybe in the conversations later today. Maybe in your heart, maybe you're in the thoughts that you have, maybe as you, as you actually engage in the wrestle, in the wilderness, in the places, in the nudging, in the guiding, in the conviction. If we truly believe that he is here and that he is present, and we believe that he is convicting us, so where is it? Do you know? Where is he leading you? Where is he encouraging? Where is he guiding you? As we close today uh, in worship, the same way we began, with an invitation and an expectation that he's here, that he is active, that he is moving. And we need only wait. We need only wait. Will you pray with me? We acknowledge your presence here, Lord. 
in our community, in our lives, in our hearts, in the ways that you guide us and lead us. May we follow. We need only wait on you. I so often miss the ways that you were working in my world because you're working in all the ways and it's just normal now. I want to be that wide-eyed kid. I want to be that wide-eyed child that is so enamored by your love and your grace and your presence and your imminence and your closeness, your intimacy, Lord. May you quiet my soul and my heart and my mind so that I can do so. May you lead us into a time we acknowledge your presence and we're changed by that experience, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this time, for this people. In Jesus' name we pray, expect it. Amen.